Hello and welcome to the Apostolic Church Liverpool podcast. We hope the message you're about to listen to will inspire you, will be a blessing to you and give you perspective in life. For more of such messages, you can visit our website at www.tac-lona.org.uk You can also access other messages and resources from our YouTube channel, The Apostolic Church Europe. We hope you're blessed and inspired by today's message. God bless you. Here's the message. So let me quickly go through the word, please. This is a, this is a holy time. So uh, please, I want us to listen carefully to the word of God so that can be a blessing to us. Amen. Lord to Joshua, he said, let this book he said, let this book, he said, let it never depart from your mouth. Let it not depart from your hand. He said, that you shall do great exploits. So as we hear the word today, I pray that we do great exploits in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. We've been, the Lord told us this, this week, I mean, this month, it's our month of limitless grace, limitless grace. We've been talking about limitless grace for some time now, but today we're going to do, we're going to balance it and with the, with another part, another version. So today we're talking about limitless grace for limitless service. What is the purpose of the limitless grace that the Lord has given to us? The purpose of limitless grace limitless grace for limitless service let's quickly go through a bit of a suggestion on grace what is grace what does grace actually consist of we'll talk about that one the last few days i'll just quickly run through it then we'll go through the main message number one the bible said the main grace the main definition is by brother paul in uh, ephesians uh, 2 8 he said for by grace you are saved through faith and know that of yourself, it is the gift of God. So you didn't work for it. It is by grace that you're saved. So we have saved alone, faith alone in the, in the grace of God that we have been saved. So, but what we are saying is that grace does not stop once we are saved. God is gracious to us for the rest of our lives, working within us and working upon us. So then grace now give us other things. So the grace justifies us before the Holy God. It's the grace of God that brought justification before Romans 3, 24, Ephesians 1, 6. Okay, grace provides us access to God to communicate and fellowship, to have koinonia with him. Amen. So um, grace wins for us a new relationship and intimacy with God. I'm just uh, giving us some of the things we said before. Grace decide, disciplines us. Grace trains us to live in a way that honors God. That's grace. Grace grants us immeasurable riches in Christ. Proverbs 10.22. Grace helps us in every of our need. You can see that in Hebrews 4.16. Uh, grace is the reason behind our deliverance. We're delivered because of the grace of God upon our life. Grace helps us with every of our need. Hebrews 4, 16. Grace is the reason behind every deliverance. Grace preserves us. Grace comforts us. It encourages us. It strengthens us. That's 2 Corinthians 13, 14. So all these things are provided for us through the grace of God. 
First, we have the saving grace, then it now carry on with all of that. So grace is the ongoing benevolent act of God working in us, which we can do, without which we can do nothing. And the grace of God is greater than our sin. We know that from Romans 5.20. Okay, so now, but that's not our focus today. We all know that I'm just giving us a, 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 a background unto grace. But as the recipient of God's grace, gracious to God. So grace is given to us to serve others, to serve others and to exercise our spiritual gift for the building up, the edification of the church. So there is, see, the reason for the limitless grace of God upon our life is very evident. And we'll be learning that from a story we'll be reading this morning. But before we do that, so that we don't miss things up, let's quickly go through the types of grace. Uh, let's do a bit of a suggestion on that. The types of grace we have the common grace, different types of grace. Now, this is not exhaustive. There are more, there may be more, but these are the ones that really readily comes to mind. We have the common grace. What is the common grace? That's the grace of God that appeared to all men. That's the grace of God that appeared to all men. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Yeah. And the Bible says that the grace of God that appeared to all men so this is a common grace. That's a common grace to give all people, whether they acknowledge it or not. He said it is the will of God that all men be saved and come to the knowledge of salvation. So that is the common grace. He appeared to all men, and it is now just like we are told this morning for people to now accept that grace. He has provided it for us. So why here we are seeing that Christ has already died. Then the second one is the saving grace. So once you now accept the grace of God that appear, then you are now in the same, that same grace now save you. The Bible says, for it is by grace that you've been saved, Ephesians 2, 8, through faith. And this is not from yourself. It is the gift of God. So by his saving grace, God has paid the ransom. He has redeemed us. He bought us back. He paid the ransom for our salvation. Then once we are saved, then that is, so we are saved, we are being saved, and we'll be saved. So it's talking about the salvation, sanctification, and glorification. So we have a grace that sanctifies us, meaning that it cleanses us, it teaches us the way to now live as a new creature family. That is the sanctifying grace. And that's why the Bible says in Philippians 1, it says, He who begins a good work in you, we carry it unto completion. It is the power of God's grace. Even when we are saved, He goes to work in us, to purify us, to cleanse us. You, pay, you play your own part through obedience, but ultimately you have to count on this sanctifying grace. To be able to cleanse you. And I think Pastor did a lot of suggestions on that this, this morning. As we, we, we all we need to do is to, to just be willing. The Bible says in the days of his power, his people will be willing. That is the sanctifying grace. He is the one that sanctifies what that's why we say we are saved. That's by our spirit. We are being saved, our soul is being cleansed, and we'll be saved. So that is the redemption of the body at glorification. When we have a new body and we have a new body, and when the uh Immortality will swallow of mortality or mortality, immortality. Amen. They will now have uh, uh, provisional grace. Now, that's the one most people know provisional one uh, grace. 
you know, in book of James 1, 17, say every good and perfect gift is from above, coming from the Father of light, the heavenly light. That is the one that provides all our needs. So that's why you say, people, I'm believing God for this. I'm believing God for a new job. I'm believing God for this. I will say, how are you doing it? Oh, it's the work of grace. That is the professional grace. A provisional grace. But the, these things are scaffolded. You have to go through common grace, saving grace, sanctifying grace, then provisional grace. Provisional grace. That is the grace of God that provides and supply our needs according to his riches in glory through Christ Jesus. Then we have the miraculous grace. So through his grace, God still do miraculous things in our life, things that defile the normal norms. That's the miraculous grace. Stephen was a man full of God's grace and power. He performed amazing miracles and signs among me. That you can see that in uh, Acts 6, 8. Then we have the sustaining grace. The sustaining grace is the grace that you need when you are going through trials and persecutions. That is the one brother Paul says. They say, my grace is sufficient for you. Say, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. So that grace, you need it. When you are going through challenges, persecution, you are throwing through things, you are waiting upon the Lord for something, and it looks like you, as if you are getting weary. You need the sustaining grace of God. And that grace, they, all of them are packaged under the limitless, limitless grace. They are all unfolded there. You just need to go before the Lord. The Bible says in Hebrews 4, 6, say, let us draw, therefore draw with confidence to that throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of trouble. Let us therefore draw with confidence to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of day. So God's grace sustain us in times of persecution, in times of distress, in times of discomfort. And that grace will be sufficient and it's always sufficient and it's limitless in Jesus' name. Then the one we are talking about today, which I want to focus on out of all this one is the saving grace. The saving grace. Now, unless we're egocentric Christian, then we focus on all these that were sanctifying, professional one. But what about the saving grace? That's the one I want to focus on this morning. Every believer is freely giving this spiritual gift to serve others. The purpose is to serve others. First Peter 4.10 tells us, it says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received, the grace you have received, to serve others as faithful stewards. So grace is to serve. 2 Corinthians 9.8 says, God is able, now I like this version, is able to make all grace abound to you. Another one says available to you. Why? He says so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need. Why? So that you'll be abound in every good work. It is for our abounding in every good work. What God has extended, when God has extended his limitless grace to you, he expects returns. He expects returns from you. That grace is not, is most of it is given to you, not for you. It's, not, it's for se to serve the brethren, to serve the church. To when we talk about the church, we're talking about the brethren in the church, not the building. Ephesians 2.10 made it very clear. He said, listen, he said, for we are his workmanship. We are created in Christ, a new creature reality, for good works. We are not saved by good works. We are saved unto good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. 
That is the grace I'm talking about, serving grace. Serving grace. This limitless grace is given to us so that we can serve. We can serve others. We can serve. Now let's look at a very quickly at a parable that illustrated this. Is the called the parable of the barren fig tree. And we all know about that parable. I'm not going to waste too much about that. So in, if you open the Bible to the book of Luke 13, 69, the parable is there. The Bible says, and I quote, said, then he told this parable. He said, a man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard. And he went to look for fruit on it, but did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, he said, for three years now, I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree, and I haven't found any. He said, listen, cut it down cut it down. Why should he use up the soil? Why should he use up another one say space? How do I will issue use of space? Then sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year. I will dig around it and fertilize it. Say, I will supply more grace. I will give it more limitless grace. I will fertilize it. I will supply more. If it bears fruit next year, fine. But he said, but if not, then cut it down. And what we are saying is that where God has extended his limitless grace, where God has extended his privileges, he expects returns. In one of the parable, the parable of unprofitable servant, he said, I know that you are a hard man, that you expect returns where you did not sow. He expects us. He's not giving us those things for us. That tree is meant to our fruits, and that fruit is not to be eaten by that tree is to be eaten by all. A tree does not eat from its own fruit. That is the parable. So now if you look at it, now if you look at the, 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 the precept, the context, and the post-test, now you'll be thinking, is it about repentance? Is it about unfruitfulness and barrenness? No, I think it's about all of it. It is about repentance also. It's about unfruitfulness also. I will say, put the two together. It's about to repent of our unfruitfulness. I'll put it two together. I'll marry them together. Why? Because the Bible says in John 15, 1 to 3, it says, I am the vine, and my father is the gardener. He caught of every branch in me. That branch is already in him already. It's accepted him. That's why it's with him. He said, but he caught every branch in me that bears no fruit. He cut them down. While everyone that now bears fruit, he prunes them. He takes care of them so that he will even produce more fruits. So now let's quickly go to the to go through the suggestions of that. So they said a certain man. If you go back to that uh, to that uh, passage that we read now, yeah. So a certain man. So that was that certain man. That certain man is the father. Is God the father? At a a fig tree. Now that fig tree in its original context is Israel. Is the is the chosen nation planted in the vineyard. That vineyard is the heart was planted, we all planted in this heart. Then he came and sought fruit. He came to sort converted Gentiles, converted souls, new creature family, people that are proclaiming the word of God around and find none. I pray that will not be our portion in Jesus' name. He found none. So he said to the dresser, what's the dresser now? That's the son. He said to the son, Jesus Christ, the dresser of the vineyard. He said, behold, these three years, 
Now, if you look at the Bible, you will see it is very explicit. Now, from Exodus to uh, the to the four hundred years of uh, that the that the children of spent in Egypt, it was according to the Bible scholar, it is two thousand six hundred and sixty-six BC, two thousand six hundred and sixty-six. And if you count the four hundred years that they spent in Egypt, that is almost three thousand. And the Bible says a thousand years is like a year before the Lord. And those years, a privilege was extended to them, and it was fruitless. It was fruitless. It was fruitless. So now we can say, oh, well, that's history. What about us? Our, our one is even more, because today God has blessed us through his son, Jesus, with limitless grace. He has even come to now dwell inside of us. He sent us the Holy Spirit to reside inside of us. So we have no excuse. We have no excuse because that Holy Spirit now, we now carry God around inside of us. Now, if we quickly look back to the, to the, to the, to the deep message of Jesus, the fair fruit tree represents God's people. So God's people. So now today we can look at it as you and I. You and I. So if we look back very quickly, the first year was the year that was the age of the fathers or the, the one they call the starlight age. That's the first year of those three years. And God revealed himself, but not in full. He revealed himself to Father Abraham, to a few other people like that, but not in full, but many failed to produce fruits. And that time the world was destroyed in a way. The second one was the, the, the age of the law, the, the, the age of the law and the mosaic one. That's the second year. That's in the period when God presented the law that if that's what you want so that they can know him, he sent it to them. But these people still did not believe. Then the Bible now says in Matthew 21 verse 43 to say, therefore, say, I say unto them, the kingdom of God shall be taken away from you and given to a nation uh, to bring him forth fruits. Then the third year was the year with the age. We're talking about dispensation now. That is the, uh, the analysis of that dispensation. The third year is now the year, the age of the Lord Jesus Christ when he came and minister, when, Jesus, when himself, God was on heart himself to minister. The Bible says in John 36, uh, just 36, for God's so love that, that he gave, it's only because he came. Great is the mystery of uh, godliness, that God, he, he came, he manifests himself. But you know what happened? People still did not listen. They crucified him. They rejected him. They failed to produce fruit. That is that. That's the age of the sunlight, where the sun itself came. Yeah. But the keeper, Jesus Christ, said, "No, Father, please give them one more chance." And the last one is what we are now. That is the age of grace. That's the age of the limitless grace. That is the age in which we have the Holy Spirit to direct us. Now we are not reading it in a book or on a stone somewhere, where, but it is now written inside of us. We have no more excuse. If we fail to obey God during this age, this period of grace, then there is no more opportunity given to obey God. There's no more opportunity. Because the Holy Spirit is inside every believer, directing us, showing us the right thing to do. And sometimes it sends people your way, like it sent me your way this morning to preach to you. And, you know, like Pastor said this morning, that it will convince them how it will show them, listen, that they remember on the 23rd of May, 2000, when we are online, when I send my, when I said somebody or my servant or man to speak to you about this, what did you do? You still refused. You know, that will not be our portion in Jesus' name. That is the conviction we're talking about. It will present 
all these evidences before you because God is a just God. He will leave evidence before you. And I pray that will not be our portion in the name of Jesus. He says those who are not fruitful will be cut off. As sad as it looks, as sad as we don't want to say things like that, but that's the reality. He said, even branch in me that does not bear fruit, that's John 15, 2. He said, branches in me that does not bear fruit will be taken away. He said, abide. So the, the topic of what the push we did recently, it says, get connected, stay connected. He said, if a man abide not in me, is cut forth as a branch is cut off, it withered. He said, men gather them, cast them into fire, and they are burnt. That's John um, 15 and verse 6. But the good news this morning is this, that the gospel that, all, that God gave us, gave us is he offered us eternal life. While we are still alive, there's still hope. There's still chances for us. I just need to look back at what is happening around us in the last few days, in the last few months, last few years. The, how many people COVID has actually sadly taken away? How many people have sadly lost their life? We have people that are even vibrant. We have sons of generals, generals in the kingdom that serve in the Lord. We saw some of our, our great generals that serve in the Lord. They just went to bed and they, they just couldn't, they didn't care, they didn't well. But thank God for the work they have done. Just a few days, even yesterday or two days ago, we have generals in the army, generals in the army, they have about seven or eight of them, they just flying somewhere, and there was a crash, and that was one of them just got married two months ago, one of them got his marriage coming up in another two months, this, uh, they, they, they were healthy, it's not that they have COVID, they have nothing, they are healthy, everything was right about them, but that's it, the 11 or the 15 of them, that is it, that is it, and like I used to say in the next 100 years time, none of us on this planet will be alive, this is the time in which we can actually come back to God and work for him. This is the time that we can, show, can bring forth fruit. Now, these are hard words, but these are the truth. These are the truth of the word of God. These are hard words. You are not too young. You are not too old. Any opportunity that you have, maximize the time and work for God. The best thing to do in this life to work for God, if you live for self, then that's called egocentrism. Egocentrism is a Christian that wants to live for, for yourself. You want to go to work, amass so much money, do as many shifts as possible, come back, get the money, buy this, buy that, buy all of this. Now, where does that take anyone? Where does that take anyone? No, the only thing that lives after you are the things to do for other people, are the things to do for the kingdom, are the things, the work you do for God. That is the reality of life. That is the reality of life. Now, there are two people that I want to quickly make an example, and I, I, I will give us an areas in which we can bear fruit, the practicality. Now, there's this man, Sir Tom, you all know him, is it Tom or something like that? This man was like, he's been in the army and all of that. All his life, he's worked and worked, but there was no relevance in him. Then when this COVID came, then he decided to walk around his house. You all know him, the, the man that died recently. He decided to walk around his house and, and raise money. For, for NHS. And see, that thing, he's now producing food, not for himself, but for the community, for the people. And look at how that brought him into limelight. That brought him into limelight. That brought him into limelight. There is nothing as good as working for other people. That producing food for other people, for other people to eat. And that is it. 
So that is the greatest satisfaction in life is when you are selfless. The greatest satisfaction is like when you are not living for self, when you are living for others, when you are living for the kingdom, the kingdom purpose is all about the kingdom. It's all about Christ. It's all about the kingdom. And I also have another example, physical one. Now, you all, you all know my, uh, the, the, in, the, in the education sector, my men mentor, you know, I mentioned his name before, Mr. Larry Wilson, probably be hearing this one of these days. Now, this man, we worked together for so many years, like all close to 20 years. And he, 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 he's gone to the highest point of his career. But when he retired some few years ago, then I came back to Liverpool. He told me each time we talk, he said, he's an atheist before now. He said, he, he, with all the money, with everything he had, he said he never had peace and joy in any. Then so a few months, few weeks ago, you remember a few months ago when I gave the testimony that some organization got in touch with me uh, called their worldwide organization. And one of our father, the head of the Apostolic Church in Zimbabwe, recommended me to that group. And so they picked me as the, their representative in UK. So, but I discovered that I will not have time because of the church and other things. So I nominated Mr. Wilson because he's retired. And he said, oh, you know, uh, Dr. Davis, I can't do this. I'm retired now. And I told him the story of Tom. That Tom, that man, I said, I see that happening to you. And he took that on then he got himself involved with the organization. Now go and see him, he's on BBC, he's doing, for, he's doing some running of mileage to raise funding for that program. Now he's heading that program. That program is now in 40 something countries in the world. I'm telling you, go and check it out. I'll put, I'll put the website online now. The money they've raised is running to millions now. And um, he's the happiest man I've ever seen now. He spent the whole of his life before retirement pursuing these things. They are mirage. All the pounds and all the things, all this, they are mirage because it will never be enough. The only thing that's enough is Christ. You keep at it, okay, until I get this, then you get it, discover there's nothing there. Until I get this, you get there, it's nothing there. Then you keep running after it. But the Bible has said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and its righteousness. Not your career, not of those things. Those things are good on themselves, but they are the are dead thing. They are not the first thing. Now today, Mr. Wilson is the happiest man. I spoke to him yesterday. He said, oh, you never know what, what, what God I've used to in my life. I'm beginning to now talk about God in my life. Now he find purpose. How did he find that purpose? Now that he's working for others, not for himself. Now that he's working to, to, to change humanity. Now that program is meant to get out 100 million Africans worldwide out of uh, the street to education. And that is what they are doing. And if you want to volunteer for that program, let me know. I will join, I will ask it, I will tell them to add into the group. So which area can we do to bear fruit quickly as a random? Which area can we bear fruit? Areas of bearing fruit. Number one, increase ten character. Your character. In Galatians 5:22, say, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there are no law. How is your character? Where the Bible says, holiness in which no man can see God. People don't, the Bible doesn't say, let your light so shine. Among what? It doesn't say with God. It says, among men. When people now see your light, then they will now come to your light. They will come to Christ. Don't say, yeah, you are saved now. Bible, the tell is all that one says forever. Say, then you now start living a lavish life. No, it means that you don't really know what you are what you are gotten. Honestly, you don't. 
So drop all the, any attitude that you think, the Holy Spirit has been convincing you this is not good. Argumentative attitude, attitude that, you know, all those things, anger, malice, and all that, just drop them. God expects you in the process of sanctification to outgrow this. These are the Christian fruits that he wants to see. These are the fruit of the spirit. Love. Unconditional. Joy. I think you get like a seafood one if you want. Parents, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Again, social does not. How is your character? Think about it. Let your life so shine a moment. The second area in which that we can bear fruit is Christ. So we call Christian character. The second one is Christian conduct. Now somebody will say, it's the same thing. Christian character and Christian conduct. They're not. Character is who are you within you. That's your character. Your conduct is who are you outside? What is visible to the whole world? Some people have different ones. Their character is different from their conduct. So your conduct outside is really good, but their character is not. So you got to make sure that both of the ones who turn them to Christ, let it be Christ-like, let it be Christocentric. So your conduct is the, the one that is visible to the world. Colossians 1.10 say, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work. Amen. I'll quickly go through because of our time now. Then the third one is the Christian witness, being a witness. That is what he has called us to, to be a witness to the ministry of reconciliation. You don't need to be a pastor or a presbytery to be anything for you to be a witness. There's no title in heaven. That's the truth. There's no bishop. There's no geo. There's nobody. He said, he was here, he was saying, welcome my faithful servant. That is the only title everybody have, servant. And servant serves. In Matthew 5, 16, he said, even so let your light shine before men that they may see your good work and glorify your father. Be a witness. How is your witness? Are you living for self? Number four, quickly, Christian worship. Christian worship. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. So the fruit of the leaf that open and openly profess his name, that give glory to him, that worship him, that worship him. Are you a mourner or a worshiper? Now think about that this morning. Are you thinking about what you don't have or thanking God for what he has already given you? Are you the part, you have to come to a place, you're telling God that, listen, if after now you've done nothing to me, all you have done, Lord, is enough for me. And are you the kind of person that you can tell God and say, listen, even if you don't do this, your name be praised forever. What God will not do, let it remain undone forever. Hmm. Turn your worries into praise. That is part of grace, the, the, the fruits. Then number five, in the areas of giving. And that is the areas in which much of us are lacking. In the areas of giving. What? Giving your service. In the area of God, giving your substance as well, giving, giving, knowing fully that everything that you own is not yours. The people now, I look at the picture of those generals that died the other, and they were being born because they're Muslims. And I see all of them the same thing. And I can now discover all the houses, all the mansions, all the money in the bank, everything. Where does it go? It goes to other people. But the things that goes after death and the judgment is the things, areas in which they affect their life. Second Corinthians 9, 8, and God will generously provide all your need. Now, listen, 
That is where you don't stop there. He said, then you always have everything you need and plenty to share with what? That is the purpose. The purpose is so that you can be a giver. So not that you can be a container and contain it, but so there can be a pipe. And God will now use, if God wants to bless the church, want to bless somebody, bless it, he will use it as a pipe because it will not come down and bless them. But he knows that he trusts you, that he can pass that thing down through you. And you know what? That's a witness in that. In April 6, 10 says, for God is not unjust. He is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown for his name as you have ministered to the saints and continue to do so. And want each of you to show this same diligence to the very end in order to make your hope sure. And I pray as we do that, the Lord will continue to bless us and help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Christian giving. Christian giving and all of these things, these are the theory aiders that came to mind. And I pray as we continue to do that, the Lord will help us in Jesus' name. Amen. So just before we, we, we close, I want to quickly read uh, the, the, the book of Zechariah. Do you have Zechariah there, one, three? Okay, yeah, let's leave there. So one thing is before we close, so that it doesn't look as if, oh, what is a harsh word. But see, in Psalm 108, verse 8 to 9, the Bible says the Lord is kind and merciful. He is patient and full of love. He does not Create, always criticize. It does not stay angry with us forever. So I wanted to say you at this morning. Is there any way that you know the Holy Spirit has been touching you? Let's go back to that verse. Has been touching your heart. I've been convincing you, but you are still adamant. It's fertilizing you, giving you more, doing more for you, helping you more. But you don't know it's the time of fertilization. Everyone is saying this man or this woman is not productive. And you are thanking God that this, I've added under this, I've added under this. And Christ is saying, God, please give him more chance. And this is the chance I presented before you this morning. The Bible says in, in uh, Secretary 1, 3 to 4, it says, so tell the people that this is what the Lord of all says. I'm saying the same to you. Say, return to me, declares the Lord of all, and I will return to you, says the Lord. Next verse of that. He said, do not be like your fathers. Do not be like your fathers to whom the former prophets proclaimed, those are the ages, that this is what the Lord, what the Lord of God says. This is the word of God. But they didn't listen. He said, they turn, turn now from your bad ways. And they, that's what the prophet told them. But they did not listen or they did not pay attention, declares the Lord. And I pray that will not be our portion in the name of Jesus. Let's close our eyes. Is there any way the Holy Spirit is convincing you? And you want to rededicate your life this morning? Is there any way the Holy Spirit will be convincing you that, say, man, you've been living for self. I want you to live for me. I want you to go and speak to that brother and preach the gospel to them. I want to speak to that your neighbor. I want you to go and reconcile with this person you've been keeping malice with. I want you to forgive this person. I want to forgive this person. I want you to do this. I want you to do this. And you have been, you have, the Holy Spirit have been convicting you, but you've been saying no and no and no. I want you to think about it this morning. Pray for the Holy Spirit to help you. He said, God is able to make all grace, sufficient grace available for you so that you can be profitable in every world. I want you to humble yourself before the truth this morning. I want you to humble yourself before the Lord's morning and tell the Lord to help you. As we sing this song quickly, sorry for taking our time. I surrender all. 
I, I want just one person to ever sing that song. Any person from the choir? I surrender all. All to Jesus, I surrender. All to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live. I surrender all, all to Jesus I surrender all, all to thee my blessed Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.